1: Hello and welcome to Football Digest Daily with me, Ned Keating. Uh, I'm joined today by Jason McBride and Will Lancaster to run the ball over England's game against Poland later on this evening. Chaps, I trust you are both doing fairly well. Uh, we're, we're kind of getting to the tail end of the international week, so I can understand if you're flagging a bit with national football and, and everything else that's been going on so far in the last seven days or so. Um, but it's been a good time for England so far. Two wins, two big wins Two clean sheets as well uh joe they can't qualify tonight but they can take a giant step towards really securing qualification and i'm really putting their mark down on this group and taking it by it i mean they've they definitely already got it by the scuffing in it but kind of really making sure that that no one else is going to overtake them if they can get that win in poland
0: yeah it'll be huge i mean obviously five points out at the moment this will make it eight and there'll only be 12 left to uh to go for and this is the toughest test of the lot i know obviously you know, Poland's going to be the toughest test in the group. It was at Wembley, 2-1 was pretty pretty narrow, but away um, in Poland. This is the real test now. This is where we're really going to see the character of the England lads um, and whether we can keep Lewandowski away from scoring. I know that Poland, the only team that actually scored against us so far uh, when Moda score, but this is really where we're going to see, you know, how far they've come, uh, especially since the Euro heartbreak, which I don't want to keep talking about, but it keeps cropping up. And this is Kane's, Kane's time, so, you know, Kane v Lewandowski, um, he should have scored about six goals in the last couple of games, but he's still been firing. Even though he's missed chances, um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. I think um, you know the national spirit is really back. I've never seen so many people get behind the national team this much when it's not in big tournaments. So um, you know Southgate's restored all the love, and I've really enjoyed it. I know obviously you're saying about flagging towards the end. I've actually I think everyone's really enjoyed it still.
1: I think probably the the big wins and the emphatic and and kind of seeing goals all the time as well probably helps with that. Um, Will, just talking about those two wins, I mean, national team managers, they don't get much time with their players to try and and kind of build, you know, relationships and and kind of understandings and and what else. And obviously at the minute it is a bit strange, you know, compared to to what we're used to, where they're still trying to fit in three games in, in such a short space of time. But what it does allow is that when you do get two games, two convincing wins, uh, and two comfortable results as England have got so far against Hungary and Dora, there's now this kind of idea that there is this, this big confidence in this side, that, that that they know each other, know how one another plays well, and that they can hopefully use that confidence as, as something to kind of spur them on to get a good result tonight in Poland. Well,
2: I was watching the game the other day, and Dora, they always throw up a measly test and, and all that, but uh, the Hungary game especially was particularly inspiring. Kane, as Joe said, couldn't, should have had a hat trick. Should have finished about 7-0 and they especially got one of the vile Hungary support. Um, but also it'd be very encouraging considering they took points off Germany and France in the group stage at the Euros, the Hungarians. Um, Portugal, they held them to a 0-0 until like the 85th minute and then Ronaldo worked his magic. So I think that's, yeah, more than happy Southgate and then take that into tonight.
1: No, absolutely. Um, it looks like Southgate's going to revert back to that team that that got the victory in Hungary last week. Um, Joe, you a little bit surprised that maybe someone like Jesse Lingard, who did so well, possibly because Saki had a good game again uh, against uh, Andorra at the weekend. Are you surprised that wasn't maybe one or two of them that, that had played their way into contention or was the fact that England played so well away from home in a difficult situation, like they're going to face tonight again, a hostile crowd potentially? Um, that, that was probably behind Southgate's fault that these guys had done it before in a in a, you know, a, a difficult atmosphere and and they'll be used to it again going out there tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a lovely problem to have, you know, having too many players that are playing well. Um, and as you said, it's going to be a, a similar similar kind of feel in the stadium tonight. So I wouldn't be surprised if Lingard does get introduced. Obviously, he did for Mount um, against Hungary quite late on. It might be a bit earlier. And even against um, Andorra, uh, Mount came on with, with Grealish and, and they, you know, helped to create carry one of the goals so um, I'm not I'm not surprised really it's it's a tough one obviously it's one you see players doing so well and you know it looks like they're really enjoying themselves it's lovely to see but you know as I said before this is the toughest test so you've got to go with you know the best squad in my opinion and I think that is what it is against Hungary because that's the best I've seen us play in, in a while and I was really really happy seeing that there was a lot of determination a lot of fight uh, especially with all the stuff that was going off in the stands. I was really happy to you know, see that because it really got to England and they really dug in and it was nice seeing that side of them as well as just the nice football as well.
1: Will, there was a uh, interesting line in Southgate's press conference yesterday or, or coming from it. He was asked uh, again about his future. Um, it seems that kind of ever since the Euros and this kind of whole idea about him signing a new contract, will he sign a new contract or will he go back to, to club <laughs> management? has kind of been cropping up every now and then. Um, he was saying yesterday about how he doesn't expect the players to be affected by by talk about his contract, talk about his future. And I suppose that's that's kind of right in a way. You know, you compare this to, to club level and it's very different, isn't it? You know, if a new manager comes into a club, you can just move clubs if you're a player, you know, you can go elsewhere if the new manager doesn't like you. But fact of the matter is you're tied down to one country, one nation. So it doesn't really matter for these England players who who it is at the helm, whether or not Southgate does continue. They've just got, still got to go out there and give their best. And that's the best way that they can ensure that, should it be Southgate or whoever else is in charge, is, is still picking them.
2: Yeah, I guess. But but like, he's, he's still got a year left on his contract. There's no rush him at the moment. Uh, like you say, it's not like with players where they can pick and choose which club they'll play for. Or there's a huge turnover in managers and coaching staff and stuff like that. So... I think just based on that, it'll be very hard to even prize him away from being set up. The way that they go on about it in press conferences, the players and, and the staff, he's got a very strong bond. Uh, he's taken us further than any other manager has in the last 30-odd years. So I think that's a massive, massive factor. And I'm adamant that, especially you guys and the whole country, they're wanting to remain as manager for almost bringing us success into international tournaments. So uh, I don't think it's an issue at all, really.
1: Joe, I just wanted to, to get your thoughts really on Southgate, though, as well, and, and how he may have changed the perception of the England manager's job. Um, You know, I I, I know from knowing up that it used to be whoever was the hottest English manager at that point, you know, whoever was this, this kind of bright young thing or whoever had done the most at, at, at club level and was English was always considered for the post. Southgate would never have been considered under those rules, would he? Like that, that kind of idea, that thought process, that because of obviously what he had done at Middlesbrough or, you know, for Middlesbrough fans, what he hadn't done, and, and obviously took them down, couldn't get them back up. Well, it wasn't really given much of a chance to get them back up, but that's the story for another day. But he's really changed this idea of what it takes to be an income manager. That it, that it no longer is this idea that you've done well in the Premier League, so here it is as a reward that, that maybe. They'll be looking elsewhere if, if the time does come for Gareth Southgate, maybe look inwards as well. You know, Lee Carsley perhaps could have a, a good chance at, at following that Gareth Southgate route of stepping up from the under-21s. He's already stepped up from the under-20s to take that under-21 job. You know, if he, if he does well between now and the time that Gareth decides to move on, he, he might be in with a chance.
0: Maybe you will, and it's it's crazy the whole story of Southgate. Really, he came in like twenty eighteen, and there was a lot of criticism at the time, as you said, because he didn't fit that you know normal bill that we were we were expected. It was an England manager, and and it was even criticism before the, the recent Euros. Is he the right man and all the rest of it? And then look at it again. So it, it's mental that the how much he's changed the England side in the last three years. I mean, going back to how it was before after the disappointment in the twenty sixteen Euros and all and all of that. How he's come in and changed all that is, is incredible and. I guess it's not always about the portfolio as a manager. It's, it's just who's right for the team. And I guess not a lot of people could have foreseen all of this change, but he's definitely, you know, moved the goalposts a little bit of with, with what they're going to look for going forward, I think.
1: Uh, well, one man that Gareth Southgate had a lot of praise for yesterday in his press conference was Raheem Sterling. Um, and I suppose he's, he's definitely earned that, that praise. You know, didn't have the best of seasons last year for Man City, turned it on for England at the Euros, it was great the other night in Hungary as well he's that kind of player that you want in your national team and I suppose you could probably say the same for Jesse Lingard as well. It doesn't matter how they're doing at club level. As soon as you put them in an England shirt, they're just going to give 110%, give it their all and really, really turn in a good performance.
2: Yeah, I think it's different with Sterling because in a star-studded Man City team where they're expecting to win every game, obviously England are in the qualifiers but with City, you've got different tournaments, you've got to be on the ball for nine months. Um, I think the onus definitely falls away from you've got De Bruyne, Mahrez, even Foden coming through, Old and Grealish as well, all in that attacking berth. But what I've noticed for England is Sterling plays very well down the right-hand side in like a traditional winger, get the ball, beat your man, take him on roll. And um, for City, he usually lines up on the left-hand side, cutting in sort of like the finisher or the, the back post, you know, tapping sort of roll. But um, because he doesn't play there for City because of, Mares, Foden and Bernardo Silva taking up on the right. It could just be that he, he does very well there and Pep needs to tap into that, you know, potential that he has. He certainly does well for, for Southgate, so it's it's worth a mention.
1: No, absolutely. Um Joe, going back to the other end of the pitch though, uh Jordan Pickford was the player who was out with Gareth Southgate at yesterday's press conference. Um, and, it, and it kind of got me thinking, I was looking at it and I was kind of thinking, why has he brought him out? And then I realised that kind of you, you go back through his recent record for England and it is actually quite astonishing. Like, OK, you know, in between there, there are games against San Marino, there are games against Andorra. Um, I know he didn't even play at the weekend. So there we go. I can't, even, I can't even throw that at him. But it was that game against San Marino back in March. Anyway. And... Um, but he's kept eight clean sheets, if my maths are right, in his last 10 outings for England. This is a player who, you know, again, like Southgate going into the Euros, there were question marks about him, whether or not he's the right man for the job and and who else could replace him between the sticks for England. But actually, when you look at it and, and the defence on the whole, to be fair, they, they really are answering their critics as well. You know, you look at who he's got in front of him and you've got Harry Maguire, John Stones, two players who have become rocks for both club and country as well.
0: Yes, yeah, so I've never really understood all of the criticism that Pickford gets. I think he's an amazing goalie. Um, I know that for Everton, he can struggle and he makes a bit of a blunder here and there. But as you said, the, the difference in defence in front of me, he's facing a lot more and he can't keep everything out. So I was shocked that there was, um, you know, rumours and maybe calls that uh, Henderson would start in goal or other players. Obviously, I know that um, didn't have them working like that. But I, he was he's got to be number one. And especially after how it went in the World Cup, you know, that experience is, you know, the, the value to that is immeasurable, especially in Southgate's side. And obviously, they had a lot of core going into it, which is which is why there's such a togetherness within the squad. Um, but I think he is wrongfully criticised. I think he's a good goalie, um, and, and and as you say, like against those games, uh, those teams that um, you, you don't really expect to concede, it's actually difficult there as well because you know you're not really you know in the game a lot. I and mean, there's a one chance in the ninety. You got to be you got to be there and ready for it. And you've got to still be able to be a hundred percent. Yeah, I rate Jordan Pickford, and I hope he's the number one going forward. He does deserve it.
1: Well, I suppose the theme that we've got going on here, you know, we've spoken about Lingard not getting much game time for United, Sterling having a, a bit of a difficult season last year for City. all talk about, you know, slight blunders that, that Jordan Pickford has for, for Everton, but he doesn't ever do them for England. There's, there's a theme running through this squad here that these players seem to save their best for when they do pull on that shirt, the three Lions, and that you kind of really have to give some some credit to Southgate, massive credit really for that, that he can draw it out of these players that they might be in different form for their clubs and they might be struggling for games on at their clubs. But but when it comes down to England, they're, they're giving their rule, they're giving 110% and that in in a large part is probably down to the manager.
2: Well, yeah, definitely. It touches on what I said before about, you know, he's only got a year left on his contract, but he's adored by the country, he's adored by the players, like the staff, everything like that. It will be hard to prize him away. And if he keeps bringing the good times and even if you know Lingard not getting the game time have United, but he did well at West Ham when he brought him in. Then, on the other hand, you could look in at Trent Alexander-Arnold last year; wasn't playing his best abilities, and he dropped him for that. So, I think there's that level of like mutual respect in terms of whether you're playing well for your country and your club. It, it's not exactly synonymous, but it, it it does go a large way. And if he can keep drawing the best out of the players when they're on the international stage, it doesn't particularly matter if they if they do keep like faltering at club level really I guess
1: obviously Poland are the opposition tonight so we should probably talk a little bit about them the main threat you know there's there's one name that you look at on that team sheet isn't it Robert Lewandowski when you see that he's the main threat for Poland but there are other players that you look at and you kind of you can't you can't do that thing where you focus too much on them on the pitch, you know. england can not just put eleven men around Lewandowski and hope for the best. You know, there are other players that are gonna that, that can cause problems, you know. Liletti, Rebus, Moda. And then they even had a lad that come off the bench and, and smash four, albeit against San Marino at the weekend. But that's always nice, isn't it, coming off the bench and, and getting the match ball. Um so Joe, in terms of in terms of the threats that poden have got, yes, they they're probably not as good as they, they previously were. They they failed uh, flattered to deceive in, in the Euros in the summer, didn't get out of their group, but they're still gonna pose England a, a big test tonight.
0: Yeah, still the toughest team, you know, in the qualification group and the toughest place to go. Um I heard Southgate saying about how you know he's, he's specially set up to deal with Lewandowski. So I'm excited to see, you know, how he gets Maguire and, and that to, to deal with that. That's gonna be an interesting watch. But yeah, as you said, those other players, Linetti, you know, does well in Italy and I think he's a really solid midfielder. Um Moda obviously was the only person that scored against us so far in the reverse fixture um, and I know he's very much adored at Brighton uh, near me they don't stop going on about him um, but yeah they, their squad's not as good but um, you know there's there's a toughness for Poland and they always pose some sort of threat and you you could stick 11 people around Lewandowski and I still think he'll manage to get a goal at some point um, so it's going to be a tough one it's going to be an interesting watch Um I think they'll be fancying their chances they're going to make it really tough for us I think um, I won't be surprised if even they you know, kind of try and play out like Hungary did as well. They're not the best side, but they're just really tough to beat. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they set up. But, you know, I'm confident for it. And I'm excited.
1: We're had to push you on a uh, score prediction for tonight.
0: Um, I do think our
2: defence will be tested, obviously with Lewandowski, but it, it, it does represent the hardest challenge in the group. And there's always one qualifying game no matter how good we are that England slip up on. Um, I think we've got enough to see us through in terms of attack. You know, we are one of the most free scoring teams in the world uh, on our day. If I had to be pushed for a score, I'd go for 2-1 Kane and Lewandowski with Grealish getting a tapping at the back post to win it.
1: Um, and Joe, for you, do you see the game going the same way in England win? Maybe a narrow one?
0: I literally thought 2-1 as well. Um when I was thinking <laughs> about it. I think yeah, it'd be the same as it was was last time around at Wembley. Uh, Poland do leak a lot of goals as well. I mean, they even conceded it to Sam Reno. I don't want to be too disrespectful there, but um they do leak a lot of goals. They can't seem to, you know, help that. But you know, with are coming off the bench and getting what, three or four and Lewandowski free scoring, um, you know, they don't have to worry too much about that. So I do think that Lewandowski seems to always get his way. So I won't be surprised if that's still the case, even if there's a dodgy penalty in there. Uh, but 2-1, Kane's got to step up and, you know, score again today. Um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, Kane Lewandowski, i will go with that. The, the third one, I'll go a bit different. Um, I'm going to... Calvin Phillips is going to be the, the man. <laughs> Why not England's player?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably all that's missing for him now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Lads, this is a World Cup qualifier for 2022, uh, four years after the last World Cup in 2018. However, uh, there are growing talks that the World Cup will now be held every two years instead, because of course, we always need more football. You know, it's not like the calendar's packed out already as it is. Um, yeah, you, you can kind of probably guess from from my tone there what my thoughts on this are, but, but we'll come to you first. In terms of a World Cup every two years, I mean, you know, for me, this is this is this should be a non-starter. But somehow, you know, FIFA are apparently going to come out tomorrow on Thursday and and kind of deliver more details about something like this.
2: No, I, it shouldn't happen at all. It, it ruins the integrity of the competition in my eyes. You've got the Euros every two years anyway. That 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 feeds everyone's football fix for two years. Then you have a year off, then you have your World Cup. It, there's no need to change it, especially with the World Cup as well. It's like it's almost like a carnival when it comes around. You know, South Africa. If you remember that. Like the, the culture side of it was was brilliant and it it would just ruin the integrity as well. Um, another thing is if it was held every two years, there'd be more chance for people to win it. And it sort of takes that gloss off winning the World Cup every four years. If there's more, there's twice as many chances to win it. There'll be twice as many holders in, you know, 100 years time and it, it just it won't be the same. So, yeah, definitely agree with you there.
1: It sounds like you get more players, like kind of Christian Karambu on the list of who's the worst one to win a World Cup. You definitely have a few more entries on that list, I suppose. Uh, Christian, if you're listening, I do apologise, but you know that's that's just the internet for you, unfortunately. Um, Joe, and, and you know, just carrying on from what we all said there as well. Like it, it does take the gloss, it does take the shine of it, but then you've got people saying, "Oh, well, if we're going to fit it in, then we we'll, we'll drop games against you know Andorra and San Marino in in qualifiers as well." But but you talk about taking the gloss off of World Cup qualify uh, off a World Cup, but you also taking mm-hmm. the gloss off the qualifiers too for those little nations, you know. And without sounding patronising and disparaging towards them, and I probably am going to sound like that when I say this, but for them that is their World Cup final when they do get to play against, you know, England, Germany, whoever. And the, and the key thing for me in it is if you get rid of those qualifiers, if you look at those qualifiers that England play against them. They always, you notice the advertisement boards around the side and it's never a San Marino business that's always advertised. There's always an English one or a German one or Spanish, whoever they're playing. Because the the games against them bring in so much money for these FAs that if you get rid of those qualifiers just to bring in another World Cup for every two years, then, you know, you talk about kind of spreading the global wealth. You you immediately go away from that idea, don't you? If you go after a World Cup every two years to bring in more money for FIFA, but then not spread it out or help spread it out to those lower nations that that probably actually need it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really hope it's an on-star, like you said. And it's it's just got to stay the way it is. And you're saying about even, like, spreading the global wealth and, and all of that. Those little nations, when they get that airtime, you know, loads of people are going to be watching them compared to normal. Even there in the shop window, it gives them an opportunity to, you know, get picked up and and, and scouted in that way. And um, I just I just think if it's if it's like that common, and obviously the glass gets taken off here, but it's just not a special I get such a big excitement build up for when those tournaments happen because of how long it does take it's special it means something and I kind of go to I hate I I as I say not really a, a term that is is like to be, uh, be discussed uh, around these parts but the Super League like the whole idea of that with you know the big teams playing each other all the time it just wouldn't be special anymore because it would just because so you'd get so used to it um so I take it like that you know England Italy those big clashes the ones that there's only like a few in history and it's just such a big hype that gets built up around it. Or if it's if it's more common and we get used to it, then it just doesn't mean the same anymore. Um, so I really hope it's a it's a non starter because every two years it just it just won't be. It's, you know how people are, um, especially when we're going through the competition uh, this summer. You know the build up to the games, the whole country was united. It was going crazy. If that was you know every two years and around obviously the whole world, it, it wouldn't be that case anymore.
1: It just seems, you know, completely ludicrous that we're even sat here talk about, it, especially when you've got, Will, especially when you've got players themselves who are saying, you know, and, and managers too as well, you know, it's not just the players at club level, but it's managers as well that are hitting out at it, saying we've already got far far too many games in, in the calendar, but rather than kind of try and find a way to address it and kind of maybe look at a better balance for the players, we're, we're just going gung-ho and just chucking, yeah, we'll put this competition in here, we'll throw another competition in there, you know, Nations League, World Cups every two years, you know. When's it going to stop? Is it? Are we are we going to get to a point where players are expected to play every day? Or you know, it, it just seems ludicrous the amount of of work that we're trying to put on these players and and the, and their club managers as well to try and put them through to, to to try and put so many tournaments in.
2: Well, I think it was only was it Arsene Wenger who started the whole two year World Cup idea, which surprised me in a way because you'd have thought someone as experienced and someone with as much know-how as to how much players pick up injuries and how much rest they need in pre-season, that he'd probably be one of the last people to expect that. But, um, yeah, I, I think the, the workload that players have now, you've got the Champions League, especially mid you've got FA Cup, Carabao Cup. The Premier League is extremely demanding. I think it'll take one major-sized event to happen where people realise this is not the way that football is meant to be played for it to be stopped. Because, like you say, it it, it can't go on. There's, there's going to be no rest of footballers for 20 years of their career. And then, you know, before the end of it, the, the, the injuries they'll pick up long term as well. Like Jack wilshire for example. A lot more players, I think, will end up like him.
1: Now, unfortunately, lads, I think this, this story has got a bit more to run in it, which is very sad. But unfortunately, that's the world that we live in. Um, gents, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. Of course, you can keep across uh, all the reaction to England's game in Poland tonight across the Mirror, the Star and the Express, as well as all of Reach's regional titles too. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with John Cross and the gang for a big review of the international break, uh, as well as looking ahead to the second coming of Cristiano Ronaldo in the Premier League. Uh, but all that's left for me to say. Definitely.